Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of the IGN UK podcast is brought to you by Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age, a huge RPG that we gave an 8.8 and said it will give new players a chance to experience the magic for the first time and fans of the original something enticing to return for. Available now on PlayStation 4. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. My name is Gav Murphy and to my left is... Alicia Judge. And to my right is... Joseph Scrabbles. You're hot off the train. You just got in. Yes. On the red eye can't, from, from Paris. Can't tell you why. Probably shouldn't have said you where sure I to was. I did go straight to the Louvre. I was <laughs> yeah. excited to see it. The, the Louvre or the Louvre? The Louvre. Had a lot did you actually of go beer. to the Louvre? No. What? Like, how did you not go get a selfie with the Mona Lisa? And then I went to tweeted, here I am with the original basic bit. I would have loved to, Gav, but we had a very busy schedule that I cannot disclose. Oh, really? Mm. I can't wait for you to talk about it on the podcast because you told me some about it this morning and it's fucking brilliant. I'm going to do so many great. good things from it. Yeah. I say now before I've started the work. <laughs> Next week, it's, like, it's just a video with commentary on it. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly what it's going to Are you allowed to say what game no. you went to see? No. Shit. No. All in Bagrod. Um, that's how they say it in I France. I had to replay that Ali in my head. <laughs> Are you allowed to say <laughs> to anything fun meant. that happened in Paris that wasn't to do with the game? I went to Notre Dame. Did you? And uh, I ate dinner outside and looked at the French. And you know what? They're just sexier than us. Yeah. That's just true. Sexy, Even sexy. people who aren't traditionally attractive dress sexier than us yeah. and therefore are sexier but than yeah, us. Yeah, no, it's so true. Like, people, that, that's what the whole, there's so many movies based around that central conceit yeah. of getting an incredibly hot actor or actress and then just having them putting all, glasses on them putting glasses on them and saying well they're incredibly unattractive and just like and then just like all they do is they give them a haircut and a new wardrobe and they're like woohoo now you are beautiful when in, in actuality it's the other way around they just dress really hot and I forget that I'm not as attracted to them as I thought I was <laughs> I'm just like god what's your favourite film where that happens um she's all out with Rachel Lee Cook Miss Congeniality it's also very good is that the one where she's a spy What's the one where she's a spy? Sandra Bullock. Miss Congeniality. Is that, that is that yeah, one, yeah, isn't yeah. it? She's a spy and she has to infiltrate a gang mm, of that's very good. pageant... Pageant pricks. <laughs> pageant pricks. <laughs> Princess Diaries, also up there. Yeah. Does she... Yep. Does she, like... Yeah, that's the whole she, thing. She starts, no. she starts out and she's all like this... Gawky. Um, yeah, like crazy frizzy hair and like school uniform. And then yeah. there's the scene where they... She's a princess. Turn her into a princess. What's the place mm. called in that? Zakovia? Oh, yeah. Something like that. Why, why is she an Eastern European princess? And why is everyone in the Eastern European country British? Yeah, I, was I, just, get I was just about to say, why is the current queen of Sokovia? Isn't she like she Mary Poppins? Yeah. Mary Poppins is the queen of Sokovia? Yeah. Why in um, in uh, even though she's all that, like actually, I don't mind she's all. That. I think it's actually what, out of all those films that came out around that time, mm. like they all had Matthew Lillard in them. <laughs> um, uh, that was one of the best, and there's an amazing scene in it where Lainey Boggs, that's what her name is, Lainey, Lainey Boggs, Boggs. Lainey Boggs <laughs> takes uh, Freddie Prince Jr. to a open uh, it's like an open mic like they're gonna say an open casket funeral <laughs> an open mic and he's in the casket um, an open mic sort of like uh, you can get up and do whatever you want type theatre space she does this mad uh, theatre thing which is actually shit I've watched it recently and she is not a very good artist right um, but then she get he she makes him get up, which actually is a bullshit thing to do. Oh yeah, because that's not he's cool. and like he's like the jock of the school. So he's like, oh, what should I do? He hasn't prepared. She's been preparing for weeks. She's got props and everything. Yeah, he just he, the only thing he's got on him is a hacky sack, and then he does an impromptu <laughs> bit of theatre to do with a hacky sack, and Actually. it's brilliant. He is Freddie Prince Jr. though. Yeah, he's, he's really pretty good. good. You know, he's the voice of Kanan in um, Star Wars Rebels. 
I did not. Like, so he's the main character in Star Wars Rebels now. But he's That's also he the voice of the guy who... Uh, the Iron Bull in Dragon Age Inquisition. No way! Is he? Yes. No. You can have sexy, maybe it's sexy not, times Maybe it's him. not Freddie Prince Jr. now that I think about it. No, I think it is. <laughs> I think I think that sounds that right. Sounds well, he's right. doing voiceover stuff anyway. But yeah, yeah, like if you haven't watched Star Wars Rebels, it's fucking incredible. Is it really? Um, it's so never good. bothered. It's really, really good. It looks childish. Some bits, some bits are childish. Some bits aren't. Admiral um, Thrawn's in it. Thrawn's in it now. Jason Isaacs is in it. Oh, he is good though. Uh, Jason Isaacs. That's the guy who plays Lucille Ma- Smallfoot. Oh, Harry Potter, mate. Oh, we know. We get it. know you were in Harry Potter. Right. Let's talk about Mad Men. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, let's talk about Alicia. You actually just been away as well. Where did you go? I have. I just went to Berlin for the Atomic Blonde junket. Well, which yeah. was which was very very exciting. Um, and Does it yeah. feel any good? Well, that's that. That is the question. It's, you like so, to talk about if the film's any good or not? I can. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. our reviews have already gone live on oh, sites. Good, good, um, good. It's it's interesting because I think it depends on what mindset you go in with the movie. So four this, pints. <laughs> four pints. Classic. It, no, Hard pan on seeing Dunkirk this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> good day. He's got a mask on in a plane. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, this one, this is uh, also set at an incredibly interesting time in history. Okay. It, the Atomic Blonde is set in the lead up to the fall of the Berlin Wall in mm. 1989. Um, so an MI6 agent has been assassinated and Charlize Theron is sent to Berlin uh, to recover something that he was trying to protect which was a huge list yeah. of every single spy that's operating that's always a spy in, film thing it's exactly. always a list it's always a list and this list if it falls into the wrong hands could make the cold war go on for another 40 years so it's very very important specifically 40 years specifically they say 40 years oh, i don't know who weird. totted up the numbers on that but apparently so um, so, you know, you could easily or ostensibly think that this is a historical kind of thriller spy movie. It is not. Yes. Like, it's, it's by the direct, one of the directors of John Wick, right? Yeah, yeah, David Litch. Yeah. So, oh, sweet. So, and interestingly enough, so uh, Charlize Theron and Keanu Reeves trained in the same gym. They sparred each other while she was training for Atomic Blonde and he was training for really? John Wick. Which is really cool. But um, it's, so it's, it's very much, it's not a gritty spy thriller. This is like a action movie with like spray paint and like colour and like what? sorry you you said spray paint as, as if, if that's, that's the, the most normal thing in an action movie have you not have you not seen that come up in keyword countdown spray, spray paint, paint. <laughs> spray paint every time this is an action movie all classics spray paint uh chicken like. <laughs> no I mean it's it's very it's very 80s it's got this 80s soundtrack so uh Red, 99 Red Balloons by Neno is on there. Uh, there's also I Ran by Flock of Seagulls. Like it's got a really, really great 80s soundtrack that genuinely really works. But the weird thing is, even though it's so like 80s in that way, it feels really modern and slick and fresh because they've just like, I don't know whether it's the color correcting or the, the just the style, but there's something really gritty about it. Lorraine Broughton, who is played by Charlize Theron, feels like really just is it good yeah is she's it a good like film? like she's she's great in being an action movie lead mm. how was the junket uh <sighs> that's a weird what, what a leading question no i just like to enjoy stories about junkets <laughs> so, this is the thing i so i went to interview charlie theron and uh, i went into it being because she was producer and lead on this film and the okay. trouble is i think and it's something that was said in our review and i agree with it i think this film thinks that it's smarter than it is she's too close to it yeah like that well i mean yeah like they're selling it as this incredibly feminist for a start a really feminist movie uh with a great lead uh that is like kicking butt and the thing is she plays a very two-dimensional idea of when we talk about a strong woman right i think we think she wears stilettos and she hammers people with them and she can sprint and she's like really sexy and she smokes a cigarette and like, in the trailers like, we keep showing her kissing women exactly you know like it's just it's this idea of this very it's a very two-dimensional idea of what a strong woman is and it's very much shot from this male gaze of even even when she's having this lesbian sex scene in it which is interesting because the character this is based 
based on a graphic novel called The, Col- the Coldest City. Mm. And Sophia Batella's character, who... Charlie Sophia Batella that she's having sex with? Throwing great. Open with that. Charlie, Charlie Theron <laughs> and Sophia Batella get off on screen. And it is quite graphic. Um, and you kind of go, okay, cool. And Sophia Batella's character is originally a man, so they've mm. changed that. They've deliberately introduce this bisexuality into the movie which is really interesting mm. but actually that sex scene itself is like Did, pe- people don't have sex like that do Kath. they talk about how they're like oh this is great but I wish we had a penis they're like <laughs> no that's shit there's a lot of there's a lot of writhing and it's just it's very writhing I, I just I just think uh, like a couple of hoses with no one holding them just wiggling <laughs> around the bed You've seen the movie already. So I went into this junket being like, okay, this is hard because not only is uh, Charlize Theron the lead, she's also the producer, so she's had a lot of say. And there are things here that I think that you're trying to say that the movie does, and actually I don't think that they are. So how do you lead in that question without insulting someone who's very close to the production? Oh, Charlie, your film is shit. (laughs) That's how I do it. You just chant after four pints, don't you? But um, I went I went in and, and the thing was, first of all, we were doing like a fan question. So before I could get to my difficult questions, I had I was starting with some fan questions that IGN audience had written in. Never um, good. Which was a really Don't bad a way to start. No, it was a bad way to Gavin. start. Not because the questions were bad. Come up later. Gavin, they're listening to us. <laughs> what? You're being recorded. Um, but I walk in and I, I go to shake her hand. And I'm like, hi, I'm Alicia. And I put up my hand. And she does a thing where she just looks away. Like, you know when someone's, they're not looking at you as you walk in. And you say hi and your hand's out there. And my hand hovered for a the longest two seconds of my entire life while she refused to turn around and look at me and then she just turned with her her cheekbones so sharp but they could cut cake and looks at me and goes oh hi I'm Charlize and I melted slightly inside and then I went and sat in my chair that was very very far away from her chair and uh, and as she it was, was two buildings away, <laughs> so, <laughs> we were doing it through a, t- a tin and a string. <laughs> and and uh, as I was uh, setting up, she was just going like with her teeth. You know, when someone's just like that, and they're not talk- they're not making small talk. They're just cleaning their teeth. And I was like, I'll let you I, do your dentistry, again, Charlie. This Theron. is like the spray paint thing. That's not a relatable moment <laughs> to me at all. Someone's just cleaning their teeth. Someone's just getting that coriander out of their canine. And yeah. and so then I say like, right, so Charlene's love to kick off by um, the IGN community have written in, like your fans with some questions for you. And the way that uh, Terry, our entertainment editor over in the US had asked Charlene to answer them was by reading the cards herself and then looking straight down the lens and okay. saying, da 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 da. Charlize Theron did not want to do that. She was very unhappy. Her, she literally went, as you explain it, and then her f- the first thing she said was, excuse me, what? And I just, my whole inside went cold. And she was like, um, wait, so you've flown all this way to Berlin. I just dropped my not, pen in horror. <laughs> in horror. <laughs> and you're not even gonna ask me your own questions. Because from her perspective, I just walked in as this journalist going, hey, so you know my job's to interview you. Actually, these aren't my own questions. And don't even look at me. Just look like straight down You're the lens. You're taking, weirdly taking her side here. I yeah. Think you, I don't know who's there to on. answer questions. It doesn't matter who's asking. I know. I, I agree. Like, I, I'm just saying that I can see, probably from her perspective, she cares a lot about this movie and she wants people to take it seriously. And the first question was, describe Lorraine Broughton in four words. And I think, I think she just wanted to go in greater depth in well, that's a shy questions. question we shouldn't have taken into her. But that's not you. That's... Well, you the know, you given exactly, but, but it I wouldn't was, have chosen that one. It was to start it was, with. It was a bad start. What's your favorite dog, Charlie's? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that? Me. I said dog, that one. Marry, <laughs> avoid. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, thankfully, it just meant that once it got to my questions, we ended up going. I just went down the idea of talking about the stunts of the movie because the stunts are really. In- There's a seven minute straight shot Sweet. where nothing gets cut. Like, like the camera does not cut for a second. And it's one of the best and it's the, action scenes and it's I've the ever sex seen. scene between her <laughs> and Sophia Mattella. Basically, uh, to round off, if you are into really, really amazing action sequences, great choreographed fight sequences, that kind of thing, this is a really, really good movie for you. I think you'll enjoy it. If you're looking for something that's uh, got a really interesting storyline with characters whose motivations make sense, or you know, oh, just a sense of it. historical. Don't accuracy, fucking bother with Atomic Blonde. Don't, don't bother with it. I no. think we should call you Furiosa. Because <laughs> truly. Uh, 
Joe. I heard, sorry, wait a second. All right. <laughs> I heard a really good anecdote about a Frosty interview. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say who it was, but basically, I think it's common knowledge. I don't care. Um, someone went in last year to talk to Matt Parker and Trey. Okay. No, Trey Parker and Matt Trey Stone, Parker and Matt Stone yeah. from South Park. Yeah. And uh, their first question, because they wanted to be like, let's get them on side with something unexpected, was, have you ever wanked off a lion? What? And apparently they went insane and just were like, I've heard this what story. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And so the rest of the interview happens really just like an unpleasant experience. And then later on, they found out that they thought he'd said, I mean, it's not a great question anyway, but no. they thought he'd said, have you ever wanked off online? And they, uh, <laughs> they were just like, why on earth are you asking us that question? And yeah. To be fair, have you ever wanked off a line isn't much better. No. Like that's, that's smacks of someone who's like, I'm so edgy and cool. <laughs> Watch me ask this question. Yeah. I thought that was a good anecdote. It is fine. Anyway, carry on. Uh, Splatoon 2. Yes. You like it? Uh, yeah. Is it out today? Out now? It was out last week, I think. Was it? No, I don't it's think it was. It's out today. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. out today. It is out. Because Marina's been banging on about it in the game that it's out all week. Have you seen this? No. So, you know, every time you... So, basically, Splatoon 2, every time you start it up, there's, like, a fake TV show going on. Is mm. it a TV show? Like, yes. Like a live cast. It's called Off the Hook. Classic, here you go. And two of the characters, Marina, the hot one, and, and, Pearl. and Pearl, still hot. Sassy one. Sassy one. Um are talking about what they're doing this weekend and Marina says oh I won't be around uh, there's this new game coming out that I can't wait to play they're talking about Splatoon 2 that's in Splatoon 2 that's insane that's, that shouldn't be allowed that huh, does my head how in. very meta um, but yeah it's good we've been playing quite a lot of it yeah um, it's the only thing that because uh, I don't have arms <laughs> I mean the game yes you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't have arms so it's the only thing that I, I've got other little games but I basically just use Switch as my Zelda machine yes um, so it's the only thing that stopped me from playing uh, Zelda and the single player is like really really good fun it is um, like it's a mini I, I, it's the same way I felt about the first one where it's sort of got the same impulses as Mario it's just not quite as good as Mario so it's got that idea of Every level is sort of one idea mm. with set pieces that work towards that idea. So yeah. there's ones where there are invisible platforms and you have to paint the platforms to find out where they are. Uh, or um, like ones where you have to shoot fans that make platforms move along, but then they retract again yeah. when you're not shooting them. So you have to kind of make your way. It's like a platforming game yeah. in a lot of ways, which is really strange, but using Splatoon's mechanics. And it's just good. Like It's short, and it yeah. never feels like it goes as far as it could with those ideas. I think that's, But it's very good. I think that's my problem is it just feels like something really, like a little bit extra they've just done. It, like I feel like all the levels feel like testing grounds yes. for those abilities it's, rather than being like actual levels. Right. Whereas it's, Mario, it feels like an actual level and you've got these abilities. Well, Mario it. always does that thing where you go, Here's the idea, and yeah. you can't fail at it. Here's the idea, and you can fail at it. And then here's the idea taken to its furthest logical yeah, extreme, yeah. which makes it feel satisfying. It's like a little three-act structure of puzzles mm, every time. Yeah. Whereas Splatoon, yeah, is just going, it's cool, isn't it? Bye. But it is very good. And it yeah. like it's a better campaign than the first games was, yes, but it still has the same problems. It's yeah. just bigger. What What would you prefer to sink your time into? Single player in the campaign or multiplayer? Oh, definitely multiplayer. Salmon Run. You, well, like, you love Salmon we Run. We play quite a lot of Salmon Run, yeah. Yeah, um, the new co-op mode. Yeah, it's like a horde mode thing. Uh, it's really good, but it's like one of those things where it tricks you into thinking you're better at it than you actually are. Yeah. Um, like, we played on a train all the way up to Nottingham the other week. We got busted. <laughs> um, and, like, I felt, felt like we found that really hard. Yeah, we couldn't beat 10%. Um, but, it is hard with two people, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then... It's got a really awesome thing where you, you have your own little jobs for each thing and it's just like, right, okay, I'm going to go here, I'm, you're going to go oh, uh, there. And like, I really like that part of it. Is that is that because that's assigned to you or do you just have to decide no, no, no. that you just got, it's just like you've got to be like... Yeah, you've just, you've just got to... Like, because we were playing on like random weapons as well. Um, so we were just doing that thing where it was just like, oh, you can use this and if you paint this right at the beginning, oh, it's going to make fun. it easier later it on does, when you come up. It like, does a really smart thing where... Every time you play, it randomly generates how that level plays out. Yeah. But every time you replay it without quitting out, it's the same Oh, setup. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you always spawn... You, you're assigned weapons randomly, but every time you replay, 
it gives you those same yeah. randomly assigned right. weapons and the order in which the bosses come and where they come from is the same every time. Yeah. So you can never fully learn the mode, yeah. but you can learn your take on it, yes. which I yeah, really yeah. like. No, that is really good. We, because that gives you the chance to go, okay, right, so we need to paint that bit first and go over here and then yeah. move yeah, over yeah, there yeah. together. And That's a really it, good point. It yeah. also takes that, you know, sometimes when things are randomly generated every time, it just... It feels goes, like you it can goes never. from skill to luck. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, it's just the way that the game. Whereas that, there is luck, don't get me wrong, in the beginning, yeah. but then you have to use skill to get good. Well, that's it. There are, there are still. Yeah, there's still the problem that, like, when we were playing on a much harder mode with four of us, yeah. there was one time when we all spawned with weapons that just weren't suitable for what we were being asked yeah, to do. Yeah. And we did it, like, four times and we're like, we just have to restart. Well, three of us are those big rollers. Yeah, exactly. Like, and we had, this, like, yeah. rollers can't really hit things high up. Mm. And we were tasked with like two different bosses who took hitting things high up so we yeah. were just like well, this is fucking impossible yeah <laughs> so we just had to restart which is a bit sad but yeah is good it's a, I think it's as good a solution as they're going to get for that kind of thing yeah it's, re it's really good we've done a video on it um, which should be on the site by the time this podcast goes live so check mm. that out have you seen how shit the voice chat app is no I saw loads of people chatting about this on Twitter yesterday good lord right. why is it bad okay so Nintendo already have kind of pissed people off by forcing them to do voice chat through a phone app. Okay. I, w I didn't have a huge problem with that because I always have my phone next to me anyway. Yeah, and yeah, whatever. Yeah. But, so, firstly, you can't use voice chat in regular battle, which is the standard mode for the entire game. But right. that's where you need it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you can use it in private matches with your friends. Okay. Well, I don't know why you'd ever do that. And um, you can use it in ranked play. But you have to play enough regular battle to unlock ranked play. So, Jesus. And right. It doesn't make I, any sense. It no, doesn't I, make any sense. No, I wonder, they're, they're I wonder I, sorry, were well, you say the reason? I mean, I think their reasoning is regular battle should be essentially solo queuing all the time because you're learning how to play with a team. Okay. Mm. But they're not taking into account that most people don't, I think a lot of people don't like ranked play. Yeah. They don't want to be in a stressful environment. No, they just want to no, play yeah. a cool game. And it but just seems like a with your, mad decision. You can't do it with your mates. What's that? <laughs> so weird. That's like essentially being like you can't chat in quick play on Overwatch. Exactly. But you can chat in comp. Yeah. But That's like mental. I guess the reasoning I wonder whether the reasoning behind it, not that I agree with it, but yeah. obviously Nintendo have Are uh, off their bonces. <laughs> Nintendo I agree. Nintendo have like you know, a really large proportion of their players that are of a certain younger age mm. and as we know sometimes when you play especially shooters which is, which is what Splatoon is yeah. you can have a lot of trash talking oh, online but we're and not I even talking about that we're talking about playing with your friends you yeah. can't play you can't voice chat with your friends in regular battle yeah, yeah that's it's not even strangers like it doesn't let you talk to strangers at all so what, how could you do that ring them up did you just go you phone just, your friends well, so this is me and my friends, when we used to play Monster Hunter, yeah. Monster Hunter has no chat at all. Okay. So we just use Skype. Right. Skype is a better solution than the official Nintendo voice app. That's pathetic. That's wrong. Also, the voice app, you, ha you can't minimize your screen. Okay. So if you turn off the app, your voice chat turns off. Shut up. Yeah. So if you, get, if you get a text or something like that and you go to that, it, yeah. the voice chat turns, turns off. Turns off your voice chat. <laughs> On your what on your doing? modern smartphone. That's mad. Yeah, that's uh, and apparently it's just bad as well. Like, it doesn't... It's not a, in anywhere near as good quality as, like, Hangouts or Skype or any of those things. Even, like, the 3DS had, like, a little communication thing. I was talking like, about this with someone. I remember the first time I played Pokemon Black and White 2. Yeah. And me and uh, a friend of ours, Sam, mm. decided we'd test out multiplayer with each other. Yeah. And discovered by accident that it had full voice chat. Yeah. That's on fucking 3DS... Five years ago. Yeah, yeah, And it was a great solution. Also really funny because we didn't know it happened. So all these weird noises started playing out of my 3DS. I was just alone in my room going, Sam? And he just goes, Joe! <laughs> it's really weird. That happened uh, to another friend of ours, Steve, who at the time was the editor of Official Nintendo Magazine. Mm. And he had to... I think it was was it black black and white was on 3ds wasn't it yeah the first one yes yeah uh, oh no that was I thought that was tail end of DS maybe it was but even that remember. even that had it whichever one yeah. anyway he was trying out the multiplayer on that so he was playing against um, at the time it was a girl who used to blog for the O and M the official <laughs> Nintendo magazine's website yes and she's amazing at Pokemon yeah like she's fantastic and 
he had to play it and he's quite good at Pokemon but it was getting absolutely destroyed like it wasn't even fun to like it's one of those things where everyone's like ah and then he was getting destroyed so much it was yeah, just like yeah. everyone kind of like everyone drifted away, away and slowly, it was like yeah. it's not even fun to watch yeah. he's just doing it and he's just sitting there losing his mind because he's just like how the fuck is she so good this is fucking ridiculous like why can't I beat her like what is wrong with her she's a robot and just like all this different stuff great and sportsmanship then, and, yeah, and then right at the end of the whole thing you just heard uh, from the other end uh, thanks for playing anyway Steve um, <laughs> ho- hopefully you get to play again and just like his face was just like oh. <laughs> <laughs> she heard every single Brilliant. word <laughs> Good <laughs> hell. But there we are. Splatoon 2 <laughs> sorted out. What, what we haven't covered at all is that regular battle is actually fucking amazing and always has been and is the reason Splatoon's really good. So if you can, you know, find a separate solution to using the shitty voice app, you should play that because it's the best. Um, I love it. Huzzah. Bye. Do you know what is 10 years old this year? This today? No, this week. Fucking hell. Fucking hell, Gavin. <laughs> yes, I do. Mad Men, Mad the greatest Men. TV show ever to be on television. Um, I yeah, generally like I've thought about it in recent years and in recent weeks because I've got you watching it. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got our friend Anita watching it, and I've got my friend Sarah watching it. Anita's just finished. You're about to finish. Yeah, and Sarah's going to finish this weekend. That's that's what I hate is that. I went from not caring to Care. really loving it. Yeah. Like, I got you, like so much. I, got you. I do find it mad that it's 10 years. I remember when that first came out and yeah. everyone was like, oh my gosh, have you seen this show? It's really interesting because it's set in this time that we've not really seen set on TV before. And, yeah. like, and now it's like, oh, that's a decade ago. Yeah. I, I watched the first episode of uh, Mad Men, Smoke Ants in Your Eyes. And <gasps> I, I watched it and I was like, because I heard like, um, like what's his name Charlie Brooker uh, Wiener was on it the guy from Sopranos like oh, one of, right, one of yeah, my yeah. favourite writers from Sorry, Sopranos yes. was on it um, and he'd made this show and I was like okay he'd written some of the best Sopranos episodes so I was like this is brilliant what's the first episode Pfft, wasn't for me that's exactly like, how yeah. I, that, I well I, I think I said before like yeah. I've started Mad Men two or three times before and got a few mm. episodes in and just been like it's a bit yeah. soap opery I don't really get it that's the thing so I watched the first episode didn't and then I went back then in the middle of season three when I um I was doing a job that was four days on, four days off. When you're four days off, you go through a lot of stuff. (laughs) Um, So I was just like, oh, well, everyone's going on about the Mad Men season finale. I'll just, I'll watch that. And then absolutely rinsed it. And then I have to watch it week by week then forever. Mm. It was awful, awful. Um, But I I think like, there was someone on, I saw someone uh, online this week um, who works in the games industry. He was like, like, I think one of the things that people who are, I don't want to say stupid. I, I, <laughs> I saw you having this conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think like people dismiss it as um, this thing that people say, which is like, oh, it's, it's basically a soap opera. Yeah. It's like, but it is the best version of a soap opera with people writing on it that are the smartest people in the world. But that's it. It, it is about, you know, small scale relationships. Absolutely. And all yeah. that kind of, like it has all the hallmarks of a soap opera. Yeah. yeah. But it has the most sort of novelistic approach to characters absolutely yeah yeah. you see on tv like the fact that we're meant to follow don draper yeah throughout all these years of his life and he's one of the biggest pricks in the world yeah yeah yeah. and like you're just constant you hate him so much always and yet he's the most magnetic man in the world yeah like uh, it's crazy how they I manage really, that. I really love TV series that do that. Like, you yeah. know, like Breaking Bad's a really classic example of having a lead that is incredibly flawed and un- un- unlikable, and mm. yet you like them. I think there's something to be said of characters in TV that do that. Yeah. I, I think it's been really interesting, what, what, like, you watch re- rewatching it, because we're having these, like, awesome conversations about uh, these characters, and it's like, and definitely, it's like in the same way that we talk about the prestige constantly and yes. come up with new things for the prestige, and doing that with Mad Men now, where it's just like, coming up with these ideas and things being like oh shit I've just learned something completely new that I didn't before what's that bit you told you pointed out that never occurred to me because it's the first time I've seen it but um, there's a bit where Don Draper uh, gets a phone call and needs to write down a phone number yeah and he just writes it on one of the last pages of a book someone he knows is reading and rips the page out yeah and it's the most like to me that's just going oh he's being you know it's just sort of a dickish thing to do but you're going he knows they're reading that book. Yeah. And he's done that on the final pages of the book. Like, yeah. That's a, as much of like a power move as anything else, just I, to like, take yeah. something away. And I don't even think he, he does that twice in the, mm. all of the series as well, where he like writes down 
something he, t- he rips off something of some importance to someone he does it to Betty as well when Betty's organising um, this like political thing yes. and he rips off this thing and it's just like this thing she's been working on he just mm. rips it yeah. and I don't think he necessarily even with a book thing because the book he actually talks with the girl who's reading that book in the episode it's yeah, an yeah. actual point but then when he rips it out I don't think he's even doing it on purpose he's doing it because nobody else in the world exists except yeah, yeah, for him yeah. Yeah, like absolutely. he doesn't care about anybody except himself mm. um, and it was a, there was an episode I watched recently where it says so much about him and it completely passed me over the first time. It basically, he takes his son, um, his oldest son, Bobby, to the cinema to see Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah. And there's a bit, and it's, I think it's the same episode where Martin Luther King dies. Um, so Martin Luther King gets shot. Everyone is sort of in mourning and I think there's like a vigil in Central Park um, his son doesn't want to go so he takes him to see Planet of the Apes twice, mm. which is brilliant. Um, and there's an amazing bit where he like looks at Bobby and he does this really am- he does this really amazing look where you're just like oh shit that's like genuine infection he's showing towards him and then later on he can't sleep and when Megan is his wife is like like talking to him he basically says like I mean, it, the essential story is like he's been pretending all these years to love his kids and he's like and then they do something and you realise that feeling that you've been pretended to have you actually have yeah. and it's like yeah. It's such a sad moment because he's sad because he realizes how shit life is. Mm. Um, this is a thing that actually happens, mm. um, and he's going through it right now. Like, it's but that's horrible. What's, that's what was so interesting about his oh, character because so my my favorite part of Mad Men is just when he's in a boardroom <clears throat> and he's like, yeah. "This ketchup yeah. is the best ketchup," yeah. and he just goes, "People when they eat ketchup." They feel this sense, and like yeah, he runs yeah. through it exactly, and he outlines why people feel the way that they do, yeah. and so expertly navigates how to like take hold of that. And that's a really interesting example because essentially this is a guy who doesn't really feel, yeah. but he under he watches so intensely that he yeah. can act and like mimic and like absolutely, and, yeah, and that's a really scary thing. Manipulate everyone, and that's he's such a fascinating character. Yeah, well, without yeah, without spoiling anything, there's a scene in like. The the late the last series where he does a pitch or is it the last series or the end of the series before but he does a pitch where for the first time ever he actually reveals something true about himself yeah and it fucks everything yeah, up yeah, like yeah. his entire like life goes down the drain for yeah. a bit and you go yeah oh what am I being taught <laughs> and that's a really um, yeah that's a thing and it's a, that's a really interesting scene as well because he does the pitch perfectly as it should be done yeah and they go for it and then he just stops and he goes. I okay. have to tell you this because yeah. I might never see you again. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, I think that's the that's the good thing as well. Like when Mad Men is good and it's doing those pitches, you realise like how amazing he is at his job. Mm. Um, and like they talk about it, every all the other characters talk about him in this like amazing sense. Like he's a genius and all this different yeah. stuff. And when you actually get to see him at work, it's so good. You've got sense, you've yeah. got an amazing couple of episodes coming up. There's, yeah, I told you this one episode um, was directed by Jared Harris, who played uh, Lane, best ever character, uh, Lane so Lane Price. Good, so good. Um, he uh, he directed that episode, but this is just amazing scene with him and Ted, and like there's no nothing spoken, but Ted's face is just so good at the end of it. This that, this is the easy thing to do as well is to fall down this sort of like Don Draper's an incredible character. Like yeah. that show is full of absolutely yeah people who unfortunately you don't get to spend as much time with as you'd like but that's yeah. kind of the point like there's moments where you realize that characters lives have been progressing yeah in huge monumental ways for them yeah in the background whilst you've not been watching and then you kind of get to visit with them later like yeah roger sterling in the latest the later series his life is profoundly different absolutely, and he has yeah. like this mad existence that's only ever hinted at yeah and you're just sort of sat there like again it's novelistic you're sort of being trusted to go mm. oh that yeah. led to this but I've not seen anything because it didn't need to yeah. and you get this sense of these this like wider world for all of these characters it's amazing and I think like that's the thing the easy thing is to focus on is Don but like Peggy's arc from start to finish Be- is Peggy's amazing incredible uh, and um, um, in sort of slightly later um, Joan Harris's as well yeah. yeah like her journey is <clears throat> astonishing it's horrible yeah it like, goes really really dark yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what you think of the ending because a lot of, like the last because it switched into two halves the last season mm. did and like it really ramps up like this um, like a friend of mine was watching it texted me the other day and she was like it's amazing how much stuff is still happening and there's three episodes left yeah it's not cooling down and like the first time I watched it I actually didn't appreciate that so much was happening I was like this is too much stuff happening yeah I, I always thought. I think that with a lot um, of a series ending but actually 
where you think it's it, it plays on everything that's happened before um, because a similar thing kind of happens, but then with a very, very different uh, result. And it's like, oh, you've just completely tricked me there. Like, it's really good. Um, so, Gav, by including this, yeah. what were you achieving? Uh, what, are you, what are you communicating to people other than the fact that you just want to talk more about Mad Men on the podcast? It's 10 years old. Um, <laughs> I've seen straight it's, through it's, it's 10 years old. Cooper's not here to tell me I'm not allowed to. Um, <laughs> and to sort of grumble under his breath. But I generally, I, I think it is the best TV show. And anyone who thinks otherwise is a prick. <laughs> um, but I've got this really funny thing. Actually, what's the yeah, we're right. Um, so I've got this funny thing which I found. So do you know who Kieran Keenan Shipka is? No. Oh, what? that's that's the daughter. It oh, is. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember you talking about Sally that. Draper. So she's amazing. Like her arc as well. Like that's. Yep. A thing that I always speak to yeah, yeah. people about is when people go on about fucking Boyhood, that <laughs> film that Richard Linklater did, yeah. and everyone's yeah. like, oh, so good. He was filming with them over all these years. It's fucking, fact, this yeah. is literally what they've been doing she, with Sally. She grew up on that show. Like, she literally, hundreds and hundreds of hours yeah. of watching a, a girl grow up. And she's good. She's, like she's scrubbing Boyhood. Yeah. Um, she's, yeah Boyhood's she's a, a brilliant film, except for the boy, which is mental. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so she's very, very good. She's also really funny in real life. Mm. Um, so she did a list. I didn't even know what this uh, website was. It's called L dot, li.st list. So okay. But people can basically just make lists, their own lists. Gotcha. So Great. she did a list that was my memories of the Bobby Draper. So Bobby is her little brother. Uh, she said, I started on Mad Men when I was six years old. After the seven seasons, eight cool kids assumed the role of Bobby Draper. <laughs> Whoa, so she was the only... Like, <laughs> She's the only Sally in the yeah. eight, there was eight Bobbies. Bobbies. That's hilarious. Number one, Pilot Bobby. I have no memories of Pilot Bobby <laughs> because I wasn't Pilot Sally. Mm. <laughs> the pilot was filmed in New York and Sally was played by the director's daughter because you don't actually you kind of see her like asleep when he comes in right at the end. I only found out recently, sorry, this is a side note, really uh, early into your mini feature. Absolutely but, fine. Uh, what's Creepy Kid that wants yeah. uh, Betty's Glenn. hair? That's Matthew Weiner's son, yeah. right? mental, isn't it? That's really weird. Yeah. Why would you cast your son as a kid that horrible? Creepy. Yeah. It's really strange, isn't it? Fair um, enough. But I, I also, I think that relationship is one of the most interesting things. The yeah. relationship between um, him and Betty yeah. is so weird. Yeah. And it just keeps going throughout the years. And then when he comes back and he's like all grown up. Uh, oh, maybe I haven't seen that. Sorry. Oh, well, I assumed it was going to okay, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> number two. Bobby number one. Maxwell Huckabee was an absolute delight. He was four and I was six. He was the he was the, also the, he was the Bobby in the episode where um, the dog uh, eats the bird. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah brilliant episode. That, oh man, the ending of that episode is one. Which is just like shooting, just fucking shooting cigarette. The birds. Yeah. He was four and I was six. He was the first Bobby I worked with, so he clearly holds a special place in my Aww. heart. Number three, Bobby number two. So was that was he only in it for one season? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron Hart like M and M's a lot. He also had some pretty cool boots. <laughs> Number four, Buckethead Bobby. A little What's no- Buckethead Bobby? <laughs> Is there a picture of him? Yeah. It's a picture just with Bobby who's wearing a bucket on his head. So you never saw his face. No. He was just cast for his body. <clears throat> a little known fact is that this Bobby was an entirely different Bobby. He was anointed Buckethead Bobby. We didn't really bond because we only worked together for a few hours. He seemed chill. <laughs> Number five, Pillowface Bobby. Another Bobby many people don't know about is Pillowface Bobby, because he was directed to bury his face into the pillow and not turn towards the camera. Like with the other supplemental Bobby Drapers, we didn't chat too much. Supplemental Bobby Drapers? (laughs) But he seemed very nice. Number six, Slurpee Bobby. Most people call Bobby from the episode The Wheel Slurpee Bobby, because he's the one in all the photos in in The Wheel. Oh, right, yes. After 30 minutes of taking pictures, he was donezo. (laughs) (laughs) His mom kept bringing him with, kept bribing him with Slurpees from 7-Eleven. By the end, she must have owed him a lifetime supply. (laughs) Number seven, Bobby number three. Jared Gilmore ditched for once upon a time, ditched us for once upon a time, but he was great. He loves Sizzler, Sizzler, and eating packets of straight sugar. Do you know what? That's the Bobby that I remember. When I look at that Bobby face. Nah. Really? New Bobby's... New Bobby's the Bobby for me. Yeah. And the, the final quick. Bobby, Bobby number four. Quiffy Bobby. Mason Vale Cotton stuck with us through the end. He's an awesome kid and had the longest runner of all the bros. He loves football and can rock a tux. <laughs> I, there's, a really, there's a really good bit in one of the episodes I just watched where he's 
sad about something and he gets into her bed and there's just this one moment where she goes you're not going to piss are you and he goes I don't do that anymore <laughs> it's such a good <laughs> it's such like a he's not angry that she asked he's just like I can't bring it up it's really very funny. brother and sister thing yeah there we go Mad Men as good today as it was 10 years ago which is also the same fuck you we're countdown <laughs> I reckon we'll be talking about keyword countdown in the same hushed tones as Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in the side of bars, like at the end of the Virgin Suicides, when all the businessmen get together, like later, late years later, and they talk about what happened. I haven't listened to last week's podcast yet. Okay, it was, was you, it was intense. Was I've, you around talking about like, what planning? It was, it was Alan yeah, it was me. Yeah, me, Alan Cooper, and like Al stormed it. He was. I was going to say uh, episode four hundred. How much has been discussed? Ooh, uh, quite a lot. Got some, so, so we've got big plans we got for big, keyword. We've got big plans for keyword countdown. Mm. Um, I've actually started. I started designing some rounds. Like we're, th- we're thinking, basically, there might Are we, be. We, we well, I, I think we can give like rough strokes. I mm. think like we're gonna do something big with keyword countdown. Very. Uh, not gonna end it because it'll never end. No, it um, can't. But it's gonna be it's good. too many keywords. So yeah, I think it's gonna be. We're we're still booking it for the. We're hopefully it's gonna be August thirty first. So keep that free, and it is gonna be in London. Beautiful. So, or I mean, we could go to Cardiff. I mean, let's, let's not write that off. Unless we're in the castle, <clears throat> I'm not going. So if you don't know what Keyword Countdown is, IMDb categorized their films via a bunch of crazy keywords. What I've done, or what? Oh, no, it's oh, this no, again. Oh, damn. <laughs> oh, shit, what's his name? I, Fuck. Simon Kane. I... Simon Kane. Simon Kane. That's, a good That's cool. Name. Simon Kane has done is taken five films, ten keywords apiece, and you guys have to guess what the films are and what the link between all of them are. Okay. Okay. All right. I've, I've nobody's been in this week. I've had to do the job of. No, One and a fine. half people. I, I offered to do like... feedback so that you could get keyword countdown sorted. And I did. I like the fact that his name is Simon Kane, which sounds like a superhero. Maybe his superpower is just writing keywords in like vigilante type. I've read over them. If that's his superpower, he's doing all right. I was <clears> waiting <throat> for that to go badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did kind of say it like I was going to. Yep. Anyway, here we go. Film number one. Thanks to Simon Kane. <clears throat> one word title. Moon. Sequel. Moon 2. <laughs> Returning character killed off. Um, it's a sequel with a one-word title. title. That's very odd. Snowmobile. Bull. Skyfall. Abandoned oh, building. good guess. Abandoned building. Um, Fuck. Villain not really dead. Cliche. Ooh, Ooh. That's a long keyword. I like cliche in there. It's mean. Day of the Dead. Oh, fuck. Uh, Spectre. Yes. You were right. You were right on the bond. I was thinking, what what sequels could possibly have one word titles? And I could only think of Bond. Bond. That's a very clever one. Day of the Dead, Gun Barrel, Secret Agent, Aston Martin. Like I don't like Spectre, but I've never watched it. um, That Day of the Dead sequence is fucking brilliant. You're so. This is what you're. You're so good at this, Joe. Of like, I watch trailers, and I'll be like, I'll be like, ah, Joe's so good. He's watched so many films. You'd be like, I never saw it. (laughs) I just watch loads of trailers, and they're all the keywords. (laughs) Here we go. Film number two. Field trip. Uh, Spider-Man. Yes. Homecoming. God damn. <laughs> it's not Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh no. But it was Spider-Man. But it was Spider-Man. That- Spider-Man. Which means he said it. You get it. You get yes. it. That's a fucking first guess, man. That's legit. Legit first guess. We've got a question about that. Oh really? Yes. Fuck. Well there we are then. Field trip. Famous proverb. Chasing a bus. Famous proverb. Uh, with great power comes great responsibility. That's not yes, a proverb. Yeah, I don't know. Death of a family member. Keyword. Zero to hero. Thanksgiving Day Parade. Newspaper. Adult actor playing teenager. Kiss from upside down person. Radi- nice. Radiation. Nice. I think that's the first time I've ever got one first Yeah, go. it's amazing. I'm so happy. Not to that's be sniffed legit. at. I don't think... Uh, oh! Rory's never got one first time. Lally. Is he the only one? I believe so. You've got it. Oh. Twice. Twice. Krupa's done it. Dale's done it twice. Competition Alex's is done it on. once. Maybe, done it once maybe Podcast 400 will be Rory's time. Maybe. Let's, maybe. Get, let's get him to do it. Here we go. Film number three. Impersonating a police officer. The Dark Knight. Construction worker. 
good guess with that night. Mm. Drug overdose. The village people. Mm. Friendship between men. <laughs> Nudity. Oh, come Ooh. on. Character name in title. Oh, oh, I always love that one. Objectification. <laughs> Shaving legs. What? What? Dance. I don't think anything was what women want for shaving legs. Male stripper. Male stripper. Magic Mike. Um, yeah. Uh, well done, Joe. Oh, it took me till then. I've, yeah. So that's after three films, two guesses to Joe, five points. One guess to Alicia, ten points. Whoop, whoop. That average is going to be sky high. <laughs> Here we go. Film number four. Princess Bride. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Good lord, Gav. It's because he's written the titles at the top of them, and I never do oh, that. Oh, Simon Kane. I almost took them off as well. I t- almost took them off. I was like, because I usually take them off, but I didn't have time to re- uh, like actually learn what the films were. I love that there was a second Cunt. before you realised. So for a second, I was like, why? Okay. I was going to say, I was like, Princess Bride 2. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so annoyed at myself. I've just done that. That's such a good film. So I'm going to go see it next Tuesday at an open air theatre. I'm so uh, excited. That is an amazing film. So Oh, okay. do we have a spare? Do we have like a utterly, another one? Utterly furious about that. <laughs> what were the keywords? What would they have been? I don't nah. uh, The keywords were revenge, arranged marriage, pirate, speech impediment, a fictional country. I might have got it on speech impediment. Extra finger. That's hard. Story within a story. Murder of a father. Inconceivable. Yeah, yeah I would Princess. definitely have got yeah. that. <laughs> what I will say is, if you are going to send in keywords, card down, please do to my. You can DM me my. Um, DMs are open on Twitter at Cameron Gav. Uh, don't put the fucking names of the films at the top because I will read them out. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Film number five. Oh. I'm covering it with my thumb. Space. The final frontier. Class warfare. <sighs> Two word title. Star Trek. Starship Troopers. Subliminal message. Star Wars. Death of protagonist. Fuck. The space thing is quite misleading. Oh. oh. Sex with alien. How can that be misleading? <laughs> Cult um. film. Uh, two word titles. Sunglasses. <laughs> Garbage truck. <laughs> what the fuck? Bubblegum. Oh, 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 fifth element. No. They live? Yes. Oh. Well done. There oh, we are. Fucking hell. I'm going to be thinking about Princess Bride for I mean, every time that I can't sleep forever now. Basically, rigged game. Rigged game. Can't possibly have gone <laughs> back to Elysium. Yeah, you, 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 you might have come back. So there we are. Anyway, uh, Spectre, four points to Joe. Spider-Man. A hollow victory, Elysium. <laughs> Ten points to Elysium. Magic, Magic Mike, one point to Joe. Princess Bride, I'm an idiot. They live, one point to Joe. So do you know what the link is between all those? They uh, live, Princess Bride. They live, Prince... Uh, <clears throat> um, wait, say them again. Princess Bride, they live... Spectre, Spider-Man, Magic Mike. Something to do with... No. It's a very good link. Um, But it's quite... Bad. Based on... They all star ex-professional wrestlers. Oh. Spectre, Dave Bautista. Spider-Man, Randy Savage. Magic Mike, Kevin Nash. Princess Bride, Andre the Giant. They live, oh. Roddy Piper. Huh. Um, and I actually, so one of the reasons I did choose this because Simon Kane and his friends are doing the Bristol Half Marathon for special effect, which we run a 10K hey. for the other day. And nice. you can sponsor Simon, www.justgiving.com forward slash Team FM Run. Team FM Run. Nice. I'm going to do that right now. Um, yeah, so yeah, okay. well, I just want to say to everyone who sponsored us for our 10K, thank you very much. We raise... £3,260.38. pence. Are you just trying to make Team FM feel bad? <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Laying the gauntlet. Uh, yeah. Was it Team FM Run? Team FM Run, yeah. Good, They're good. doing the Bristol Half Marathon. So if you can sponsor them, all the money goes to Special Effect. I think for our 10K as well, it was like the biggest team that Special Effect had ever had. And 
it was, I think we had over 100 people or 100 racers doing it. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think we raised over 20,000 pounds. Yeah, it's amazing. fucking incredible. Well, we, like, what I re- like, we met a load of awesome um, people who listen to the podcast and go on IGN la- at, the, like, um, at the race and afterwards in the pub as well. So what I will say is like, we're going to run it again next year. Yes. It would be awesome if we could get a load of like IGN people. Well, that's it. Yeah, you do don't it. like. I, I don't know how clear it is, but you don't have to work in the industry no, 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 or yeah, anything. Yeah, you can just join yeah, yeah. the team. You can just join the team. And uh, yeah, we'd really like to have like a proper. <clears throat> be amazing because we can like, have like a big meetup afterwards. Absolutely, It'll be really yeah. nice. We'll go to the pub afterwards. Like so, when we start, when we sign up next year, we'll start pushing it on here. But it'd be awesome if you guys listening could come and do it with us. Yeah, and not laugh at us. <laughs> um, awesome. Thank you very much. Here's some feedback. <laughs> so I've got one from Bradley Victor. <clears throat> it says, a burning question. Bradley here from Bellingham, Washington. Pronounce, please pronounce Bellingham the way we way we Americans do. Bellingham. I know you're tempted to say Bellingham, but you must resist that. <clears throat> well, there we are. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure who will be reading this email, but in my mind, I'm picturing my words issuing forth from Gav's black bristling beard. <laughs> Why have you given me this one, Joe? Because <laughs> I like to have to read that out. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's mentioned before, but I hear that he's Welsh. Yeah, I am. Anyway, on to the question. Prepare to Try, which is a Let's Play series that we do, is by far my favorite Let's Play series. I devour each new episode as soon as Joe made me read this one out as it posts and lament the fact that it doesn't post as frequently as I might like. I'm a fan. I'm well-versed in the various in-jokes and references, but there's one reference that I don't get at all, and I must have it explained before I lose my mind. What is the song you all hum when Rory does something good? <laughs> Let's say he just beat a particularly diff- difficult boss or doesn't fall off a cliff while attempting to reach said boss. The three of you will all hum in unison. Often while pointing with your index fingers and moving your hands up and down. What is the song? What is the significance? I must know. Thanks for all the hours of entertainment. This goes to the entire IGN UK crew. Cheers, Bradley. The song is Jackie Wilson Said by Van Morrison. Um, and it's there's a celebration song that they do on a podcast that Joe and I listen to um, called the Alice James and John Roberts podcast. It's a very, very funny podcast. Um, and they don't do it that much anymore, which no. I'm glad. Yeah, because cause now it's ours. Now it's our thing. Um, but it is awesome when you do it and then people who listen to that podcast realize what it is. It's, such uh, a, it's essentially something we've lifted. Yeah, we've stolen it, it yeah. but in a joyous way. It's yeah. because like, it's something that we just did. You guys started doing it in the office and we were just working at our desks. Yeah. And then it became something that we did as mates hanging out. And then because our Let's Plays and our podcast are just us as mates hanging out, it's yeah. fed into that. Yeah. It's not like a... Yeah. And it's so a nice. really bloody good song. It is brilliant. A lot, like, of people, a lot of people said, is it the Dexys Midnight Runners version that I'm singing? It is not. No. It's the Van Morrison Van Morrison song. always. Yes. What else we got? Who's uh, two? We have got, I'm number two. Uh, this is from Andrew Voke, who says, Hi, I recently heard a story about Scott Cawthon, d- the developer of the inexplicably popular Five Nights at Freddy's franchise. Apparently, he recently both announced the existence of, and then shit-canned, the next installment <laughs> of Five Nights at Freddy's in the same blog post. Anyway, I wanted to know if you guys had previously worked on any big projects or features, regular or otherwise, mm-hmm. where you knew it wasn't working and so binned it, resisting the call of the sunken cost fallacy. Is that a well-known thing? The I have no idea. The sunken cost fallacy? I like it. It sounds fancy. It does. At what point do you decide to leave it and move on to something else? P.S. Excited to hear that plans are in motion for Podcast 400. I'll hopefully be able to make it, depending on getting a babysitter. Dot, 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 dot. Bring the baby. Yeah, bring the baby. Don't be well up for that. It gets it gets a little blue <laughs> in the second <laughs> half. Um, That's an yeah, question. I I would say pot committed, like the sunken cost fallacy. Like I, if like there's a term in like poker, like you might as well go through with it because you're pot committed because you've got all your chips in anyway. I'm trying to think of stuff like we can stuff quite a lot. Yeah, if it doesn't work. Mm. We I've had um, a I've had a thing I've wanted to write yeah. for about a year, which is about a brilliant indie studio called Napknock mm. and I did an amazing interview with them and it was about how they did better things with the Wii U than Nintendo ever did they released right. two games that I thought were the best uses of the Wii U hardware and then they put maps on the on the just screen ma- just maps all over the place <laughs> two maps per game um, and it was and I had this like brilliant interview and then I just sat down and was like I don't know how to write this like yeah. I can't do it justice and I've mm. never written it and I, I think it sucks fine. like because I love I would love to write it, but I just don't feel like I can do it right. Mm. And I don't know why. And it's really annoying. And so I've canned that. I was talking about, um, I did a podcast with a friend of mine um, where we played Top Trumps, a different different thing of Top Trumps every episode. Hmm. We did three episodes that I recorded. And then uh, one of the recordings messed up 
and he moved to Canada. Not because the recording messed up. <laughs> I don't know. Furious. Uh, <laughs> parted ways. And yeah, I'd like to do that again because it was a very funny podcast. Mm. And mm. Top Trumps are great. Yes, um, that is true. I've got an idea of how that could work fun. But um, trying to think of stuff. That, like I get rid of stuff all the time. I've got you a, kind, of, kind of have to learn to, I think. <clears throat> like, yeah. you just can't get that attached to something if you're going to release something that's not good enough after yeah. it's done. Which presumably is exactly what the guy, the Five Nights at Freddy guy, Freddy's guy did. I never played one of those games. Neither I. They're yeah. terrifying. <laughs> you guys are terrifying. <laughs> so, um, so scary. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we can stuff all the time, like we said. Like, we're well, we really... canned recently. We just, yeah... And it's really part of our process to be like, oh, I've had this really amazing idea. So much with junkets where you yeah. come back from a junket and you had this really great idea for something and it just doesn't run. I know you've done that a lot, Gav, mm. where like, great idea. And then just the, the person doesn't play ball. And so yeah. you have to kind of go, oh, that's annoying, um, but okay. That's the thing, because we are like, our kind of ethos is to always go into something with with the idea of what you want to make at the end of yeah. it. Yeah, the headline almost already Which written. Which is the better way to do things, but... That on the flip side, that also means that you sometimes come out of it and you like can't do it. Like yeah, that didn't yeah, work yeah. out. Like yeah. that's just, and you have to take the cost yeah. of that benefit. Yeah. yeah, I was making breakfast. I was making a breakfast burrito for a lady friend the other morning, mm-hmm. and I fucked it up. So threw I threw it out. Threw I, it out. I put it outside for the birds, and I made another one. <laughs> and sometimes breakfast burrito. Though. Hello, that's an ace breakfast. Yeah, it's, oh, it's so. Oh, I love a breakfast. Oh, um, but yeah, I fucked up the first one. Um, too much coriander. Uh, oh, that is a bad mistake. in a breakfast burrito. Wait, wait. So when we say breakfast burrito, are we talking like sausage bacon eggs wrapped up in a flour tortilla? Or are no. you saying a literal burrito for breakfast? No. So what I do is like uh, a layer of like chorizo, a layer mm-hmm. of scrambled <gasps> eggs, mm-hmm. um, bean, uh, like black beans yes. or pinto beans. Oh uh, my, my own made salsa, which I make the day before. Pico de gallo. Um, do a, like a bunch of different stuff, but then I put too much coriander in it and I tasted it. I was like, that's fucking buzzing uh, <laughs> avocados as well but yeah so you have I that sounds amazing can you my mouth is literally watering can Jeez. you bring those in I gave up made another one that's a good call and the birds thanked me for it if you if you ever want a very good breakfast burrito that Gav Ooh. didn't make Benito's hat in King's Cross Station I used to go almost every day and it was so poor <laughs> it's amazing amazing they do a really good breakfast burrito mm, we recommend a go. lot of sandwich bread based snack eateries in London all we do we- is work <laughs> Eat and booze. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my life. Uh, what have you got? I've got this. Okay. Picture oh, of a dog. A picture of a dog. Oh, it's the cutest. Dog help, says John Peaty. <laughs> okay. Big fan of the podcast. Thank you for your ramblings. My wife and I are planning on getting a dog in the near future, but we can't agree on a name. We want to give it a name from a game, film, TV, comic, etc. And I thought you might be able to help. There are cool names out there: Thanos, Aloy, Krennic. Nope. But they don't feel very dog appropriate. No. Mm. Plus, I don't want to sound like a pretentious twat shouting Thanos. Come on, Thanos. Yeah. Walkies. Our current front runners are Sniper. Shut up. No. Mm, and no. Naboo. I quite Naboo's like Naboo. Cute. Yeah, Naboo is I very like Naboo. Cute. I like cool. Naboo a lot. But I'm sure, sure you or your listeners can come up with something better. Thanks oh, for your help. P.S. If it matters, the dog will be a Vizsla, which is this example which Rizzler the Vizsla which doesn't Boom. help people sat at home but it is the look it up they are cute as shit yeah. it's like if you were to send that to the We Rate Dogs Twitter <coughs> account it would be a definite 13 mm. out of 10 wood pet I sorry I have long harboured the ambition to name my dog when I get one Toku after the oh. uh, the Japanese warlord Tokugawa Ieyasu that's pretty good to but be- I think Toku's a cute name but yeah. then that's a fun reason for doing it <laughs> yeah. because I've played him in games. <laughs> to be fair, that's a really good show. Like Japanese names in general have that kind of, it's normally just a couple of syllables. Yeah. Like, you know, that works well. For that's dog. why Naboo works. Cause yeah, it, Naboo is exactly. good. It's a good reference, yeah. but it's also a cute sounding word. Yeah. And I think it would be... If I ever have a dog, um, I always want to name it Bitu, which means mm. tiny in Welsh. That is good. Oh, like that. That's, yeah. that's lovely. Again, the um, two-syllable thing. Yeah. When we were, when uh, my parents got a puppy, or two puppies actually, uh, but a few months ago. But we didn't give one a name. <laughs> one of them remains clueless <laughs> and is kept in a cupboard. Um, and I really wanted to call it Wookie because it looked so much. Yeah. Tiny, it was just so cute, but that was vetoed, sadly. Um, <laughs> I think there's loads that you can pull from games. Like you could call uh, it, 
like Spyro would be a really cute name. Oh, uh, no way. No, I don't want to be reminded Spy- of that little purple bastard. Whoa, are you Zool. saying something against Spyro? <laughs> oh my God, I'd love to call a dog Zool. Um, or the Keymaster. <laughs> Zool, I, I really, I think he's nailed it with Naboo, to be honest. Yeah. Naboo is a really Naboo's good, a like name. surprisingly like, good name. Um, um, yeah, that's really good. Don't use Bitu, that's mine. <laughs> don't um, use Toku, because that's mine. Yeah. Um, I always wanted to have like a little dog and call it Chief. I think that'd be Chiefs quite good. It's like name. Master Chief, if you want to say that it is. It's mm. not my it's not mine, nah. it's called. Um, but yeah, if you have any ideas for a dog name for John, let us know ign.ukfeedback.com. And you can write in about other stuff as well, if you want. You could do. Uh, well, there was something oh, we were going to ask. I don't know. What, what was it? I don't give a shit. <laughs> it also it also depends on like whether a female or a male. Like Yuna. That was me closing Yuna that. Sorry, that. sorry. I'm not, my, my brain is. <laughs> Yuna is good. Yuna would be a good name for a female. I like dog. Yuna. Yeah. There we go. Done. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye. Link. Brilliant. We good? We ready, Dale? Yeah. I'm not turning around. I'm just going to assume we, that we, we're good. We got double thumbs up. All right, sweet. Let's go. No, he's swearing. Oh, he's wanking. Ah, <laughs> wanking into his little monkey mouth. <laughs> You're sick, Dale. You want? You need to be stopped. <clears throat> Keep all this in. Yeah. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.